You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, I'm very excited as we embark on this venture, as we explore and investigate key parables of Jesus. And, and uh, you might, now something I hope intrigues you is the burning chair. Anybody take notice of the burning chair? And you say, why the burning chair? It got your attention, right? Kind of like the same thing, the burning bush for Moses. He saw this bush burning and it's like, what is that? And so it got his attention so that he could be drawn in. And and that's our our desire, you know, uh, maybe even just to spark your interest. Uh, or if nothing else, it's certainly the hot seed, okay? And, and maybe this message, and as we talk about the parables, maybe it will put you in the hot seat for, for you to begin to even look at your life and consider some things that Jesus taught and how it relates to you. Because Jesus was able to relate to every man and woman where they were at. He was able to comment into their life and into their mind and begin to cause them to think maybe outside the box or maybe with a different perspective than what they held to before. So uh, I'm, I'm excited and, and I'm, I'm just thinking there's so many parables. I had to pick four of them this month that we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about the parable of the sower. But before we get started, I want to congratulate Lucas and Joanne Telfer. They gave birth this week on September 4th to Josiah Israel. And he weighed in at six pounds, 12 ounces, 17 inches long. Now, it's interesting, babies, you never say how tall they are, you say how long they are because they're laying down most of the time. Uh, When you get a certain age, there's a point where you stop saying how long and you start saying how tall. But I'm 74 inches long, okay, if you just want to know how long I am. Um, uh, so I have a few mentions to make here as well. Uh, you got a bunch of goodies when you came through the door. That smiling, wonderful greeter handed you this. And so there's information in there that we encourage you to look at and become familiar with. Uh, new, new small groups are starting this month. We call them turning points. Uh, plug in, uh, check out the bulletin insert. Next week we're going to have like a... a a fair out there, if you call it a fair, but there'll be uh, people that are leading turning points having tables out there where you can talk and inquire and find out what they're all about. Uh, Discovery Christianity is, is a class that is starting actually September 27th, and that is for anyone that wants to plug in and uh, become part of Refuge. If you, you're sensing that this, if you're a visitor, you're new, and you want to plug into what God is doing here, uh, it's an opportunity for you to really uh, sit down with in a small group setting before service and, and learn all about us and about the Word. Furniture giveaway, I'm just going to put a plug in for that. Uh, we have a few items out there in the foyer, uh, but we have a warehouse behind us that's full of stuff that we want to bless the community with. And, and we need a lot of able-bodied people or people that can come and just hang with us and pray and, and do whatever uh, Tracy will put you to work. We've kind of put her in charge of, of this uh, event. And, but we, we believe that it's going to plant some seed in, in people's lives and, and meet some needs in the community. 
Uh, schools and college have begun. We welcome back any UWSB students here this morning. And uh, this is Labor Day weekend, so uh, just as much as people are coming back, people are taking this last weekend to camp, to do other things. And so we pray for all the campers and all that. And also, just another mention, Isaiah Salvador and the team is returning November 5th to the 8th. So we're going to gear up for that and believe God for a mighty harvest uh, in our community. Um, and also, one last thing I have to mention, happy birthday, Anna. Okay, it's now she and the team is back doing worship. Oh, she's right here. Okay. Um, she's right here. She didn't slip out. Happy birthday, Anna. Everybody say, happy birthday, Anna. And I'm not going to sing, so we'll just leave it at that, okay? So we appreciate Anna and the gift that she is and the blessing she is to this body. Her and David are just such quality people, and we're so blessed to have them as a part of the lead team here at Refuge. And so appreciate you guys. All right. So I did bring some humor this morning, but I'm really reluctant to share this. So we could just skip by this part? Okay, all right. Well, the Energizer Bunny, you know who that guy is? You've seen commercials on TV about him. And Peter Cottontail got into this argument. Now, it got really heated. The squabble kind of escalated. And finally, somebody called the police. And they were, the police came and they put him in jail. And so... Uh, the two were arrested, and one was later charged with battery. Mm. <laughs> now, now, at the court hearing, the presiding judge actually, upon reviewing the day's agenda, said under his breath, well, looks like we're going to have a bad hair day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so that, that, that's all I have for humor this morning. Anything else would be spontaneous and... Uh, we can't uh, make any promises. But I, I did want to share something because of the season we're in right now. We're entering into, actually, we've begun September and October. And when we look at the Jewish feast days, we're going to be entering a feast that's very significant in the Jewish calendar. Uh, it's the time of Jubilee. And and the Jewish New Year is being celebrated, and also there's the appearance of the fourth blood moon. There's going to be historic changes that's going to take place in the coming days. And, and, and it's, I believe we're living in the last days. It's very clear when you study scripture and you come to understand that these are the last days. Uh, so I believe uh, in these last days we're going to see a great awakening, a great move of God, a great harvest for the kingdom of God. I believe that God is setting the stage for revival and harvest. Israel is celebrating their 70th Jubilee, which is a Jewish celebration which was first celebrated in 1367 B.C. That's a long time ago. And it occurs after every 49 years. It was first celebrated when the children of Israel had entered Canaan. And after the 49th year of being in there, the 50th year, they celebrated Jubilee. Now, in Judaism and Christianity, the concept of the Jubilee is a special year of remission of sins and pardon. In the book of Leviticus, uh, Jubilee year is the 50th year in which slaves and prisoners would be freed. Okay? 
Debts would be forgiven and the mercies of God would be manifest. Hallelujah. That's, I mean, if we look at the parallel of what's happening in the natural with the feast days, uh, spiritually there's a correlation. And I believe that we can anticipate God doing some awesome things. Now there is a, a time, and this is a time where hearts are being tested. And will we rely upon our own strength and capabilities or will we really turn to God? And I think that's really where hearts are tested. It's, I call it the reliance test. And there's talk and speculation, in, you know, you've probably heard it, of an economic crash and, and a lot of doom and gloom kind of things out there. Okay, there's all this speculation. Should we be concerned? Should we store up food? Should we do all this stuff? I, I believe we should always be prepared, you know, at least somewhat prepared if something should go wrong. But one should never put their faith in that. We should always look to the Lord because uh, hoarding food and all that stuff um, you know, is, may not be really trusting God. No matter what comes, we are called to be overcomers, and God's promised that he'd never leave us or forsake us. And I, I believe because of what God's doing in this nation, there's a great prayer movement, a great prayer movement as people are seeking God, which I believe is, is going to give way to a great move of God in the land. Because we see the principle in the word when people come together, when they seek God in prayer and fasting, that God shows up, God moves. And I'm anticipating God to move in a great and powerful way. Can you say amen? amen. All right. So you ready to get into this parable? All right. So we will look at these key parables of Jesus to examine their relevance in our own life. And it's my desire to really relate to teachings of Jesus to real life issues. And because it's things that we can relate to, challenges that we face, that we just need help to get through so that we can overcome. I believe most people like to hear a good story, and, and we see uh, a story that we can relate to. A great storyteller is a very effective communicator, and, and that's what Jesus was and is. Jesus was the greatest storyteller of all time, and his stories are called parables. And it's our desire at Refuge for people to encounter Jesus when they come through these doors, through his teachings, through Jesus' teachings, especially the parables. Through the parables, we gain understanding of important life principles that can help us to connect to the greatest teacher of all time, Jesus. According to dictionary.com, a parable is a short allegorical story designed to illustrate or teach some truth. It's a religious principle or moral lesson, or to teach a religious principle or moral lesson. It's a statement or comment that conveys a meaning indirectly by the use of comparison, uh, analogy, or the like. So uh, truth is often hidden within the parable. So that means we have to investigate, we have to go deeper to see what is really being said, what message is really being communicated. Parables are, are often create a greater interest and hunger for people to go deeper in their search for truth in their lives. And so we, as we go through this, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 24. And this parable is entitled the parable of the sower uh, and again parables 
can be illustrations that help us relate to spiritual truths for practical application in our natural lives, in the natural life. People often wonder why Jesus spoke in parables, but yet it's clear to see that it was to give people an understanding of spiritual truths and spiritual principles. So, all right. Are we at verse 1? Now, it has been said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay, that's something good to put in notes if you're taking notes. And the focus of, of this parable is on the sower, the seed, and the ground. Remember those three things, the sower, the seed, and the ground. Verse 1. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large, large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them. So this parable that we're going to relate to you, the parable of the soul, is one of many things that he was teaching. Now, I want you to get into the story. I want you to really get into this and allow what Jesus spoke to that crowd at that time be something that's fresh and spoken to you in this setting, in this time, and on this day, okay? So pretend for a moment that you're sitting in that crowd and Jesus has pushed out on the boat and he's teaching this parable. The first word he says in verse 3 is listen. It's a good word. Listen. Uh, not everybody listens. They may be hearing, but that doesn't mean they're listening. You can hear voices, you can hear words and sound, but you need to listen. It says, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, what's a sower? A sower is somebody that scatters seed, that plants seed, okay? That's what a sower is. Um, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Now we see here several things happening in this passage. And our thorns, we'll start there, they represent other things that choke the life of the seed that is planted. And we must understand the potential and the power of a seed. Seeds will reproduce after their kind. Seeds will produce something that maybe wasn't there before. The seed is planted. And, and uh, let's read on because I'm going to give some further explanation as we go along. But in verse 8, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, now that's, that's an interesting phrase. If, if you have ears, then you need to hear. You need to use those ears to listen. Because sometimes, and I've, I've been there, sitting in church, the preacher's talking, and I hear his voice, but nothing's registering. 
Because my mind, my focus, my attention is somewhere else. That's why I beg you to engage and really pay attention. He who has ears to hear, you need to hear. You need to hear what is being said. You need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Because God's wanting to communicate to us. He so desperately wants to get a message to us. But we need to be willing to hear, to listen, to embrace that message. Because there's many people that they've given God a deaf ear. And they're not really in tune. They're not really listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. And they're going to miss out on what God has for them. And they won't be prepared for what is to come. Okay, I'll leave it at that right there. But going on, now, I want to ask you this question. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to hear? You choose to hear even though you have the capacity to hear. You still have to make the choice. You still need to be intentional. I'm going to listen. I'm going to pay attention today. My prayer when you come to church is that you pay attention, that you receive what God has for you. Because I'm just a mouthpiece, and I'm just going to say what I believe God has given me to say. And, and, you know, and then the responsibility ends with me and it begins with you. Okay, you take it where it needs to go, all right? Now, uh, verse 4. Now, this is kind of fast forward a little bit, okay? Uh, Jesus is alone with his disciples. And they've got some questions, okay? Uh, we need explanation, Lord. This is, uh, there's some things we don't understand. So verse 10 says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, this, is, this kind of is confusing to some. It's like, oh, Jesus, you don't want that to happen? No, the real issue was the crowd that Jesus was sharing this parable with, there were Pharisees that were very critical that did not like Jesus one bit. They were trying to find reason of accusation to bring some charge against him. They were trying to trap him in his words. Their hearts weren't right. So Jesus was not going to unload revelation to them because of the condition of their heart, okay? They wouldn't have been able to receive it because of where they were postured in their attitude and their focus, but the disciples, these are guys that they said, okay, I'm leaving everything and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And so they were committed to following Jesus. So Jesus was going to give them the complete download, the complete explanation, because their hearts were conditioned to receive an explanation of what Jesus just taught. Now, the others could have they said, okay, Jesus said this, and I'm confused. I want to know. I want to know the deeper meaning of what he just said. And if, if they would have pressed in a little more, Jesus would have certainly accommodated them as well. Okay, you need to understand that. Now, verse 13, this is a key verse because uh, it, it, it says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, he said, this is the parable of parables that will help you to understand every other parable that I teach. Okay? And it has to relate to the word spoken, seeds being planted, and what that seed produces in the ground where it's planted. Okay? Now, it goes on in verse 14 
Jesus gives this explanation, the sower sows the word. Okay, so in other words, the seed he talked about is the word of God. Okay, he makes that clear in that one statement. Verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, the path represents a, a track of ground that leads you to the field that, that takes you places but that path is so trodden down that the ground is impacted so that when seed is thrown on it, it stays at the surface. And it becomes prey for the birds that would just come and, and do it and, and uh, pick it up and take off with it. It doesn't have a chance to really get grounded or in the ground so that it can take root and grow. So, and so Satan is like those birds that come immediately. Okay, the word was sown. But the person's heart is still hardened. And so uh, the enemy comes to immediately steal that word that was sown. But you need to understand that Satan is a thief. And he wants to keep the word from taking root so that it won't bear fruit in your life. So immediately when you hear the word, it's, you, you say, okay, well, that's good. But if it doesn't take root, it won't produce fruit. And Satan's going to try to snatch it away. So the moment you get out, like, let's say you just heard a wonderful message. You're all pumped up and excited about living the overcoming, victorious life and serving God. You go out in the parking lot, and you have a flat tire. Immediately, oh, everything you just heard just went out the window. Because you focus on, now what I got to do this? Like, take care of this flat tire. And, and so you got an attitude, and you say, I go to church, and guess what happens? I get a flat tire. And you end up blaming God, blaming the pastor, or whatever, because you got a flat tire. You know? No. Anyway, so Satan is a thief, and he's going to try to steal that word. And we need to be aware of that. Because even what you hear today, Satan will make an attempt to try to steal it so that it won't bear fruit in your life. Well, you need to say, no, Satan, you're not going to take this word. It's going to make a difference in my life. All right. Uh, in verse 16. We read that. Oh, no, no, no. We didn't read that. We didn't get that far. Um, okay, let me just make this statement. Satan comes on the account of the word because he's threatened by the word and what it will produce in your life. Because when the word is producing in your life, it will bring him to defeat. He won't have dominion over you when the word is producing in your life. Now, verse 16, it says, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arise on the count of the word, immediately they fall away. Now, stony ground is, is, is ground that maybe there's not a lot of ground there, but there's a lot of rock. And so the roots can't go deep because they bump into the rock. And so uh, issues are in, in the natural, the weather elements, different things that come along affect that plant and it, it ends up not surviving. And so this is what happens whenever the word is shared. You can anticipate that there may be tribulation or persecution. For example, somebody comes to the altar, they give their heart to Jesus, and they go out and they tell their friends, and they said, what did you do? You mean you're not going to party with us anymore? You, you mean you, you're not going to... Uh, 
You're going to be holier than thou. And they start persecuting them, ridiculing them because of their newfound faith in Christ. And, and if, if, if they're affected by that, if the root hasn't gone deep enough, they can end up falling away and going back in the old crowd, crowd with their friends and, and do what they used to do before. Because um, persecution comes, tribulation comes, the test of life comes, and it will shake people up and they say, well, all this God stuff, it's for the birds. It's not, you know, it's not helping me. It's hurting me. My life is worse off than better off now that I've started going to church and praying and trying to get to know God. You know, and, and again, that's an attempt of the enemy to get you not to go deeper or further with God. And then in verse 18, it says, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And, and this is where... Uh, many times the world comes crashing in. The cares of this world, all, all these things happen, and it becomes a distraction. It becomes a deterrent so that you don't continue to go on with God. And, and, and there's so much more I could say and break down on all of these different types of soil. But notice verse 20. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word, and accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, and, and 100 fold. So where we see the four types of soil. What do we observe so far? We see that there's four types of soil that represent the condition of the heart. The hard soil, the stony, the thorny, and the good ground. All of these represent conditions of the heart. And so, what is the condition of your heart? That's a question I want to ask you, because our heart can be stony, our heart can be hard, our heart can have thorns around it that choke out what God wants to do in our life. What is the condition of your heart? In verse 21, Jesus goes on, and, and he says this to his disciples, and he said to them, "Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not understand. For nothing is hidden, verse 22, except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. See, God is wanting to illuminate your heart, to bring to light its condition. He, he wants you to know the condition of your heart. He knows it, but he wants to bring it to light so you can know it. Because once you know it, then you can do something about it. Because your heart doesn't have to remain in the same condition because God has given you a free will. And that free will can move towards God closer to him to allow him to recondition your heart, to begin to deal with those issues so that, see, as a farmer, being raised on the farm, we had to go and prepare the soil. We had to go plow the field to break up the ground so it would be loose so that we could plant seed in it. And so God wants to do a work to prepare hearts for the seed of the living word of God. And it goes on to say here in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. 
With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. In other words, the more attention you give to the Word of God, the more God's going to multiply revelation, the more He's going to give you understanding, the more He's going to give to you. See, God is wanting to give us some things. He's wanting to give us understanding, revelation. Let's not hold Him back from really giving us what He wants to give us when it comes to revelation, understanding, and all that. And then, if we drop down to uh, a few verses later towards the end of the chapter, we have this side note in Mark chapter 4, verses 33 and 34. He said, With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. That's interesting. And I've discovered that there's times that I might have a word for somebody, but they're not maybe in the place where they can hear it. So I'll hold back. I'll wait for the right time. I'll wait for, wait for the right moment to be able to give that to them. But yet, in my own life, I want my heart to be ready and willing and postured to receive whatever God would want to say to me. And, and, and we should have that attitude. We should desire that because he's, going to, he's looking out for your best interest. He's looking out for your well-being, your best, your good. Uh, it goes on to say, Verse 34, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. See, God wants to give us an explanation of everything so that we don't have to be left in the dark. You know, it's interesting from this point on in Jesus' ministry, when he spoke in parables, he explained them only to his disciples and to those who continually rejected his message, who persisted in unbelief. He didn't, he didn't explain things to them. But they were offended. And, and even the disciples said, but, you know, these people are offended. But the condition of their heart would not allow them to receive what Jesus wanted to really tell them in his explanation. Um, Jesus, in the parable of the sower, talks about affliction and persecution that arise for the word's sake. And it says, immediately they're offended. So often people are offended by the word. Offense is one of Satan's best uh, efforts to throw towards somebody that just gets turned on to God. He'll try to get them offended. He'll try to get them upset so they leave mad or upset with, with, with the church or with other believers and that sort of thing. Offenses, offenses are diversions to steer you away from the important issue. See, um, Satan loves to use offense and these other things, the thorns, the stony ground, to divert us from the true path. What can we learn from the parable of the sower? And as we, as we wrap this message up, there's three things I want to share with you that we can learn from the parable of the sower. Number one, the condition of your heart determines what the Word of God will produce in you. The condition of the heart. You might say, well, you know, why is that person blessed? Why, uh, you know, are they walking, you know, and they have this thing going on with God? Um, it's the condition of their heart. It, it determines what the Word of God will produce in you. And so we want to focus on that and, and allow God to really recondition our heart. Number two, what we learn from the parable of the sower is we need to identify the thief. Satan, who comes to steal the word 
that is sown. Satan is an enemy. He's out for your destruction. He, his mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not a friend. He's a fool. He's an enemy. And so we need to be aware that it's many times him at work because we want to fix blame on our spouse. We want to fix blame on another person. We want to find somebody to blame when, in fact, it may be Satan. And Now, that doesn't mean we always blame everything on Satan because sometimes we need to take responsibility for our own issues, okay? But yet we need to understand that he is a foe to be reckoned with, okay? And then number three, we need to address the opposition, the offenses, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, which was mentioned in this parable. These are all elements that are going to try to keep you from God's best. These are all things that are going to try to hinder you in your walk with God. These are all things that are going to try to negate the purpose of God in your life, to keep you from fulfilling what God has ordained for you to accomplish. See, we come to God on His terms, not ours. What is the condition of your heart? Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.